0: All right. Welcome, everyone. This is Tammy Brunk with Earth Sky Woman podcast, and I am so thrilled and excited today to be with Kamiko Hayashi. Um, Kimiko, thank you for being here. I am just so um, delighted that you're here. Um, and so I want to just say a minute, a little bit about uh, Kimiko and how we met. Uh, Kamiko is the founder of um, The Roots Awaken. She's currently in um, in place in Ecuador. And we met at Ulceri, which is a, um, a camp in located in Pine Ridge, South Dakota, where they're doing, they've been doing some um, really deep permaculture work and some beautiful um, projects there over a number of years. And so when I met Kamiko and when I met you, it was in the context I remember of this project where we were all learning about this really phenomenal um, earthship building technique that was being taught and i was just amazed by it and i was thinking about how many people could could benefit from the really practical tool of learning how to do this and i saw you and you were you were filming everything so you were just like you were everywhere filming every um we were creating all of these different um, permaculture technologies and you were it felt like you were kind of chronicling everything and it was you know, in that moment when we spoke a little bit and I learned more about you, that was one of the first things that struck me was um, how you made yourself of practical use. Um, and because what you were doing is you were helping to actually create a, an archive of videos so people could learn how to do some of those techniques on their own. Um, but I know you, so I know you in that context of someone who's right there in the action, you know, wanting to be of service. And that is what you um that's the one of the first things I felt with you and and as I was saying to you earlier when we were just um in conversation you know I really chose you in a sense because I see you as this earth sky woman who has been working with tribes working in the Ecuadorian um Amazon region doing filmmaking uh, now since how long how many years
1: yeah it's been five years since I started five the years. work okay. yeah yeah um and so
0: and you have this um, my feeling in observing you over the years is having this real groundedness um, as an activist and also a very cosmic vision. Um, as I think many indigenous people historically, you know, had that roots in the earth and also in the sky. So um, with that, Miko, um, could you tell our, our audience a little bit more about yourself and where you are and, and um, a little bit about Roots Awaken?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. It's an honor to be able to share today. And yeah, my name is Kumiko Hayashi. My father is from Kumamoto, Japan, and my mother is from New Mexico. So I was born and raised in the United States and spent the majority of my life there. And then about five years ago, I left and arrived to the country of Ecuador in South America and i started filming you know without any specific intention um but more as a timekeeper i call myself you know and and so it all began basically in 2014 when i was invited to a gathering for world peace in on the middle of the world and um, indigenous people from all over came for four days in ceremony and we prayed for world peace, and we were quite literally on the equator, so you know zero longitude, zero latitude. And from this gathering, this this vision emerged to to film the realities that indigenous people are living. Many people talk about it, but but they have not lived with them and really heard from the you know their perspective. Uh, what what is going on um, in their communities? So what I thought would be a couple months of living with indigenous people turned into you know 5 years where I was basically living as one with them and then filming you know key moments and ceremonies gatherings as I as I went along and so over time this has developed into a feature length film called The Roots Awaken which ultimately is about you know this awakening of consciousness you know, all of us have roots to the earth, we're all born here. And while some of us are indigenous to certain territories and others maybe not so, we all feel in some way or another, you know, part of this this mother earth. And so the idea is that, um, you know, through this film, I will be able to share my own personal experience, but also the experience of indigenous people, you know, being Japanese American, you know, I might my, not myself, I'm not indigenous, but going to so many of these communities, I felt like I was like, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is so um, close to my heart. And I realized it's all about community. You know, all of us really thrive when we have a close knit community. And that's what indigenous people have kept alive. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're in the United States or living in the city, you know, there are definitely ways to connect to local community and to the earth, to gardens, to you know the elements of nature, and so ultimately, in a sense, we all are to this planet Earth, and there is a way that we can connect in each of our own particular areas. So, the Roots Awaken is this collection of of memories, experiences. And also, you know, about the resistance that the indigenous people are facing today in the Amazon rainforest, um, you know, being one of the largest um, areas on the planet that we have left with, you know, filled with biodiversity, filled with so much life. It's basically reached this tipping point where if we continue to destroy and continue to cut down the forest, um, basically the water systems will start to collapse. And so we're at this crucial moment. And so... Um, it also is this awareness of like, hey, that this is something we're all connected to. The air that we breathe in North America comes you know, from the rainforest. The water cycles are all connected. So it's also a wake-up call that you know this interconnected system that we live on um, is, is, is so important to sustain life, and we all have the responsibility to take care of, of the earth in our own way. So that's mm-hmm. basically the yeah. sum of what I've been working on. Ah, Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that kind of, you know, like, I mean, there's so much more to it, of course, but, um, you know, I just, I loved part of why I also wanted to speak with you is because I think you um, and what you're speaking to, and you're speaking to being awoken in this um, context of this global meditation on the equator. That's amazing um, to have had that opportunity to kind of seed that, right? And that seeded
1: something in you. How old were you when you did that? So that was in 2014, and I'm 28 now, so I guess I was about, was it 22? (laughs) You're
0: 22? Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think around
0: 22. Right, awesome. Okay, so I think, you know, for I just relate so much to that story because that was my awakening was similar when I went to Peru to a bioregional gathering. It was a Gemara del Condor, the call of the Condor. And there were 700 of us from many different countries who were also in, we'd created like a eco-village for a week there. And we were um, really bringing together consejos or councils of elders, of different um, different groups of, of people from eco-villages across the globe and across Latin America. And it really blew my mind. You know, people who are permaculture designers and eco-village founders all across the globe and, and as well as indigenous peoples. And so maybe similar to you, I saw, and I felt it to community. When you talk about community, it was like that global community that I would never felt before. And also with indigenous com- elders present and um, in that place, which was quite close to Machu Picchu, that there was also that awareness that there was still this sacred, um, alive relationship to the land. Um, and it definitely seeded something in me that um, when I went back to kind of, you could say ordinary reality, when I went back to where I was from, that it, it definitely had made it so that I was, I was changed because I could see the potential for something greater. Like, and also as an environmentalist, as a wildlife biologist for many years, the sacred dimension to science was never really present. And after I went to that event and after I started studying permaculture and also working more with indigenous, I mean I've worked with indigenous groups also since I was 22, which is interesting, when I went to Big Mountain um, and Navato- Navajo territory, Dene Territory. But um, you know, I think this is, you know, when, with our Sky Woman, one of the intents I have with it is to help people to remember to the degree that we can, um, how it feels, how it looks to remember that indigenous ancestor inside of us and wake that up, that connection to the earth. And um, so speaking to you, because you've been working so deeply with these communities, you know, again, I'm so um, inspired by that because you're really a voice, you know, speaking um, from kind of the front lines, you know, of in in what percentage, and you would probably know this Kamiko, and I should have brought this, statistic, but I cannot recall what percentage of the world's um, really wild um, biodiversity is now managed by indigenous groups. Do you know that figure?
1: I'm not sure what percentage the indigenous people are managing, but I know that one statistic I do know is that what um let's see i think indigenous people make up over like 80 percent of the diversity and they're, they're only three percent of the population so right. i know that you know the something great diversity like we have on planet, something like that <laughs> yeah like
2: yeah three percent
0: so, of the population and they manage eighty percent of the, the the really vital reserves of biodiversity on the planet something like that something around yeah. that yeah right. yeah <laughs> Um, so, but you're there in Ecuador in one of these places. Um, and so, and really trying to be a voice for indigenous people who, from my perspective, we, we have to, um, this is such a critical point for us to care for these communities and do all we can to support them. Um, and also infuse our consciousness with their consciousness in a way that can transform our culture. And so again, that's why, you know, I'm really um, so glad that you're here. Uh, so I just, you know, want to say how how do you feel when you jump back and forth between these worlds, speaking to people who are living on this side? You know, we're all humans. We're all, you know, part of this shared humanity. How do you? What's what's some of the wisdom? What's some of the 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 perspectives that you've gained by spending so much time with these communities, and how do you transmit that or how do you experience that and bring that forward when you're in the States, for example?
1: Mm, That That makes sense. Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely a tough one. You know, going between different realities. Mm -hmm. Growing up in the United States, I definitely can relate to, you know, people in this culture um, so deeply and you know this is where I'm from and then when I jump into indigenous communities it isn't in, in a sense a different way of of being of thinking you know the cultures the customs at the end of the day we're all human and you know a lot of the times we we tend to romanticize indigenous communities in many ways too but the reality is that they, you know, they have the same common struggles that we do, um, you know, interrelationships, you know, between, um, you know, spouses, between brothers and sisters. Um, and so, you know, these these common things that make us human, I think, um, you know, we all face. And so when I go between different worlds, I see the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also, you know, um indigenous people they have these rituals and customs that are so deeply ingrained it's almost like second nature Uh, Mm -hmm. i remember you know even in um at the gathering that we met at you know going into a traditional sweat lodge with uh an indigenous elder who's from that culture from you know a lakota traditional family it's so it's so interesting because it's so it's so easy going you know even between the Mm -hmm the rituals and the intensity and you know these heightened spiritual connections there's like laughter in between mm. the doors opening and and there's a sense of like comfort whereas when i've been to certain sweat lodges people who maybe are just learning the ways there can be sort mm-hmm. of like this you know am i doing this right am i is this okay yeah. and kind of serious and same with indigenous mm-hmm. ceremonies in the rainforest it's like second nature mm-hmm. because they've got it so much and they've grown up since two or three you know, drinking plant medicines yeah. um, with their with their parents, and so I think when I go to the Western world, and many of us are remembering that we mm. also have this ability and this um, you know this practice with these these rituals and these ceremonies that we just keep doing it. You know, it's it's almost like this this sense of uh, discipline where we mm-hmm. keep going, we keep learning with people that have done it longer. And there comes a time when we just get into it's this sort of comfortness, comfort, mm. comfortableness. And so, you know, I've also seen Westerners who are connected and who are more indigenous than some of the indigenous people that I've met. And I think that's because, you know, they're just so comfortable. They've been practicing mm-hmm. for so long. So that's something that I like to bring to the Western world is just a sense of, you know, diligence, discipline, Mm -hmm. daily routine, and it becomes who we are. So it no longer becomes something distant. And that's something that I really, you know, take from the indigenous people that I bring to the Western world is their discipline and their ability to connect with their, their teachers, with their mentors, Mm-hmm. it's something really admirable that I've seen.
0: Mm. So it, I love that what you're saying about that, that it's about practice. And and I I hear what you're saying about that. The kind of, I don't, almost an awkwardness, which is natural and very human around trying to begin to do these kinds of things. And then what emerges after we practice, what would you say for, you know, I think for many, perhaps, you know, I know there are definitely some of my, Uh, listeners who have participated in plant medicine ceremony who have done that kind of work who have um, participated in some kinds of other traditional ceremony and you know I think probably what you're speaking to is that and well yeah do you want to talk about the importance of plant medicine for our times let's start
1: there okay great yeah you know there's so many different ways that we can connect Mm -hmm. with our higher selves and with the environment and plant medicine is a great way you know in south america there's such an abundance of all different types of medicines that can cure cancers that can you know cure skin rashes and then there's ones that are more profound i'm sure many of have heard of ayahuasca or yahe which is something that can diagnose mental physical and spiritual illness Mm -hmm. Uh, in north america you know there's different plants you know, peyote, the indigenous have been using for quite some time. Um, but each region has, you know, its own unique plants. And depending mm-hmm. on, you know, the person and the condition, uh, there's just such an abundance out there. So I think plant medicine is important because it makes up, you know, who we are in a sense. Like we, we have a certain diet. Each of us mm-hmm. eats you know, certain foods certain days. Um, and then, you know, there are people like in South America, the, the kogi are very connected to the coca leaf, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it becomes who they are because they're eating it so much or cacao for people mm-hmm. in Central America. And tobacco in so many cultures is a way that people pray where they connect their their thoughts to the sky. Having a relationship with plant medicine is like having a vehicle to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also connects us with you know we are inseparable from nature and Mm -hmm. so it allows us to go deeper into our relationship and in a sense we can also activate that through through other practices Mm -hmm. you know i practice a form of buddhism every day and through sound sound vibration Mm -hmm. i can achieve this same connection to the To the spirit in the plant realm but you know in certain in certain ways it's also like i love a drink drink a cup of cacao before i start my buddhist Mm. practice because Mm -hmm. it connects my heart you know on a biological level to the external realm as well as my sound vibration Mm -hmm. and so you know these these plant medicines sometimes are hard to access for people who who've maybe just heard of them or they don't have a connection to any specific tribe and I think that the best way to start in investigating, um, you know, to, just to, just have the curiosity to start investigating what plants are are native to your region, mm-hmm. what tribes did exist in, where you are, and you know, there's so many that are non-hallucinogenic that don't alter any sort of perspective visually, but can be very soothing you know, okay. to the mind, body, and soul, for instance, osha root where I, you know, I was born in, in New Mexico is a very important plant that when it's used on a regular basis, like every week, you start to become the osha root in, in mm-hmm. so many ways. And you're able to commune with that area. I know once I get to New Mexico, I have to eat, you know, green and red chili, <laughs>
2: Because yes, it right. just connects
1: me right mm-hmm. back to, you yeah. know, to New Mexico. So I think in a sense, that's why plant medicines are important. It connects yeah. us with our local territory.
0: Beautiful. I so love that you went there with that because I agree with you. I think I honestly, I think that plant medicine using um, something like ayahuasca or, you know, I was my real awakening was um, in Diné territory, in Navajo territory, at big mountain where I was um, able to to take peyote for the first time in a sacred context, and um, it really, I was 21, I guess, Um, and we also, we went up on horseback to the top of Higher Big Mountain, and we saw what was happening with the mining there, because that's why we were there, is to learn about what was happening with the mining and the way the elders were being pushed off the land, and Mm -hmm. um, to speak of that, you know, in other communities. And so that was my first experience um, and it very much connected, you know, like cacao, I think, as you probably know, peyote can very much be a heart activator and um, it like you, you know, it's really awoken not only to the beauty of these cultures, but also to what was happening to their lands and to their fight to protect their lands. And the peyote helped open my heart to that in a bigger way. So for me mm-hmm. too, that kind of, um, I, I do think that if people can find a respectful and a good way to connect to that, those plant medicines, it's, it can often be a good thing, especially if you do have a strong practice, especially if you're um, you know, grounding yourself in many ways. And I also just have to say, I love that you're bringing up the native plants because that's really one of the deepest, I think the most profound ways that we, women and men, and I think women do kind of have a special relationship with plants specifically, um, well, women and men both do. You know, humans do. We need to remember that. Um, but so for, for example, in New Mexico, when you speak of OSHA, when I lived in Albuquerque for 10 years, we had the uh, Yerba Mansa plant, which is right along the Rio Grande. It's a beautiful, beautiful plant. And I so totally fell in love with it. And my friends and I would always go to this one spot that was just this amazing, they look like they're little fairy plants. You know, they're beautiful, green they've got these little white flowers that come up in the spring, they make a little trail, um, and we would harvest in the fall every year, and I would make tinctures for my whole family, you know, and it's, it's like, it, this plant is so many things, but, um, you know, that was my way of creating a sacred connection with the landscape, and with the, and the indigenous people there, and even the curanderos and curanderos there now use it, you know, it's, it's been forgotten to most people, but it's very alive. And um, so I love that you bring that up because it's true. Anyone can, well, I think it's interesting. We can connect with what's native to here, you know, what the indigenous people used to in our own places. And um, so like where I live locally, we have have sassafras, we have blood root. That's a a plant I grew up with as a kid. That's a really potent medicine um, that we would have a relationship with. Uh, but also, a lot of the, the plants, I think it's interesting, come from Europe, you know, like plantain, like dandelion, like, yar- like, no, yarrow's native, but there are quite a few that are potent medicine. As you're speaking, it's making me remember and recognize it also connects us back to our European ancestry when mm-hmm. we use those plants. So, yeah, thank you for the broadening of that kind of conversation around plant medicine. So... With where you are now and what you see, what what do you see happening in your community there in Ecuador? I think there's been another oil spill recently. Is that close to you?
1: Yeah, so where I am is basically when the Andes, you know, the Andes Mountains runs from North to South America. And where I am is right when the Andes comes down and it starts to become Amazon. Okay. And so the water that is born in the Andes is in these high peaks where these the, there are these lakes um and the water you know is like they say it's the womb of mother earth you know it's like where the water just pours out mm-hmm. and then it goes down and it starts to it um it also connects to the the major rivers mm-hmm. uh the napo and the and the uh, coca river that flow into the amazon river the largest river mm-hmm. and so just about 3 weeks ago there was a pipeline you know that's crossing this major river that broke open and spilled and i believe there's over 25,000 indigenous families that have been infected and can no longer you know have access to the the, the fresh water that they did before so so this is the same area. This is the nor- we're talking about the northern Ecuadorian Amazon. Right. This is the same area where in 1963, the largest oil disaster known to humanity um, occurred. Basically, you know, Chevron, um, which was Texaco at the time, deliberately dumped over 18 billion gallons of toxic oil waste into the Amazon. Um this was right around the time in the U S when these environmental laws were becoming stricter. And so they could no longer do what they could do in the U S. So they went to Ecuador and in just horrific environmental catastrophe. And so to this day, it hasn't been cleaned up and the indigenous people and the local, um, you know, supporters and environmentalists have been fighting this for over 30 years and it's the longest, um, standing court case environmentally against you know something to this scale so this is the same area where this this you know pipeline broke um and so this is the same area actually where i went to drink ayahuasca which for the kofan the indigenous people living in this area is called Yahe. and one of the most powerful experiences i had you know they invited me very very small family they invited me to drink you know very um like friendship based nothing like retreat no you know there was no money exchange it was like hey just come over to our house and let's drink some ayahuasca so when i when i went to this family's house i saw this entire vision of the land that was affected by oil but also that the Kofan people living in this territory are some of the most skilled medicine people and have the greatest knowledge about plant medicine in this whole region you know many indigenous mm-hmm. tribes have connections with the, the local plants, of course. But in my experience, you know, after visiting you know, over 20 indigenous communities in the Amazon, the Cofan are some of the most skilled. And so it was like this moment, like, oh my gosh, you know, some of the people that are the most knowledgeable about plant medicine are in this territory that's most affected hmm. by environmental catastrophe. And it happens to be just next to Yasuni, which is the most biodiverse place on planet earth. And so, you know, this is like, you know, in and this is just right across the street from this oil spill. So that's, what's going on here at the same time. There's just so much indigenous resistance. There's so much community, you know, so much unity happening that I haven't seen anywhere else because they're you know uniting for the same cause which is their territory and for the people here without territory there is no life
0: right um
1: and so i think many of us with this current situation we're going through can also start to understand like if the grocery stores are closed and we don't have our own gardens we we don't have You know, ability to eat the same foods that we would always eat you know the same fresh veggies and the green salads so it's this this is a reality that these people have been living for for so long so i think it's a good reminder that we are one with our territories Mm -hmm. and you know the indigenous people know this very well here i'm you know even though this is quite devastating i'm filled with so much hope Mm. i do believe they're gonna be you know the the kofan there's a community called Sinangue you know within this tribe and just last year they won a, a historic legal victory protecting mm-hmm. their entire territory from mining it was very historic ecuador in their constitution actually gives recognition to mother earth and its rights and right. so That's so yeah legally legally mm-hmm. in the warani is another tribe next to yasuni they just won a legal battle protecting half a million acres of amazon wow so, you know, it's this concept that I like to refer to of turning poison into medicine.
2: Mm.
1: You know, in the times where we're facing the darkest moments is actually when the light comes. It's like winter mm. always turns to spring. You know, we've never heard of spring going back to winter. So in these really dark moments, there, there comes this, this great hope. And I think Ecuador and the indigenous people in the Amazon are an excellent example to the rest of the world of how we can turn poison into medicine.
0: That's powerful. Thank you so much for saying that. And and I just, I mean, they, they, the fact that you say that you have hope, you know, and you're right in the heart of that, and you've been working with these communities now for five years, and, you know, I think it would be so easy to become overwhelmed, but sometimes I think that the trauma and the overwhelm comes from, <laughs> it's gonna sound ironic, um, looking at things we really have no control over versus mm. actively being part- participative, participating in something to shift something and seeing, you know, if we have a hand in it, if we see ourselves as part of it, as we, if we see our potential role, then maybe that's where hope arises. Um, mm. But I, I love that you say that and that you say that based on, you know, what you're, what you're kind of seeing activated around you. And so, but when you say that there's so much, um, what was the word you said was it solidarity or there's so much are you speaking into just the the immediate groups that are there are you saying that there it sounds like and this i've seen this for years too that the um the networks of indigenous peoples from across the globe are really uniting um how are you seeing that on the ground in terms of the resistance how is that how are they becoming more successful how are they how are their um what are they doing specifically that's how am I wanting to ask this? It's like, what have they been learning over the years, or how is it that their efforts are changing? Does that make sense, or is it the world is becoming more ready for it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the in Ecuador there's many different tribes. There's the the Shuar, the Ashuar, the Shuar, the Quichua, the Warani. So many different tribes. And so, for instance, with the Kofan in the Sinangwe case, you, what we saw was all the different tribes coming in support. And so, you know, a long time ago, actually each of the, the tribes would have their own territory. Sometimes they would even fight amongst each other for resources, for food. And now it's, it's totally changed. There's this great solidarity. Mm. And on an international level, I think that it's starting to grow. And you know, there's always been support. Um, I think more and more people are realizing the importance of the Amazon rainforest for, for sustaining life on our planet. And so the solidarity is growing. And I think people who've had a relationship with ayahuasca or even some of these eagle condor gatherings that we've talked about, they know how important, you know, these people are in terms of their wisdom. And so what's happening is there is a support growing, you know, across borders, and, you know, people that are in the U.S. who've never been to the Amazon, but maybe they've sat in a ceremony or a circle in North America, feel this connection with them. And yeah. I think it's through the plant medicine. You know, I've, I spoke with a friend. She's in Sedona. She's never been you know, outside of the U.S., but she sat in a couple ayahuasca ceremonies. And she says she feels, you know, the, the spirit of the Amazon and in such a deep way. And, and that's what these plant medicines also allow us to do. We're able to transcend past, present and future and mm-hmm. physical limitations as we see that, you know, we are one with with all of life. And and it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to be able to experience that and and to know that, you know, we are this one interconnected planet. Yeah. And so I hope more and more that people start to feel connected and you know, just imagining a, a gigantic rainforest, it's like whew, you just feel at peace, you know. <laughs> So, yeah. so we can connect in, in that way. Yeah. And I think that more than ever, the solidarity, you yeah. know, across the planet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: so beautiful. And I, when you speak to all of that, I think it makes me think again of the kind of bioregional movements that remove the borders of nation states so that we don't see ourselves in that way anymore. And often know, part of why I want to talk to you, and I love speaking to other women who are in the South, you know, and and also women who are from the South, is that we really do, we live in the land of prophecy. I mean, I'm convinced that, you know, astrologically, as an astrologer, I'm convinced that um, North America, North and South America, the Americas, really are kind of an epicenter of the deep change that needs to happen in the next, you know, 2020 to 2030, and actually from 2017 on. I, I mean, much before that, but there's like a hot spot here, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you know all of these different uh, prophecies that speak of the Eagle and the Condor, and you know if you look at the Iroquois Confederacy and their influence potentially on the u s. Constitution and what that was supposed to have seeded, you know, many of us see that as having set in a spiritual blueprint for this um, this mm-hmm. nation, for this area. That was intended to be activated, and that it's still, you know, people at Standing Rock and in different communities, and you know, regular everyday people here, you know, people in the U.S. from from many different cultures, I think, are awakening to um, that. That North and South America, there's a way that it feels to me like we're waking up, and we're needing to wake up. And what I see, feel, and experience is that voices from the South are increasingly important for those of us up north, because there's a part of the spirit that I will speak, I'll say that for myself, that there's a way that you activate something, you know, that maybe has remained alive, that we're needing to strengthen and nurture and grow here up north um, in these territories for whatever reason. Um, You know, I live in a land right now, which is incredibly beautiful. I'm so lucky like you, you said when we started, you're in the jungle. So you're, it's you're lucky because you get to be on the land, you know, and, and knowing that there are people who don't have that. So feeling very grateful and wanting to transmit some of that, you know, um, by airwaves, that experience of the jungle from you. And I'm here uh, in the Missouri River watershed, which was a very and is an incredibly rich, diverse, biodiverse um, ecosystem and bioregion. And, um, you know, there are no longer very many, very um, there, there are very few remaining indigenous peoples on this land. And I've always felt that to be something that's sad, you know, in a way because we don't have contact with the languages that emerge from this landscape. So it kind of puts a different emphasis for us on, I think, connecting to the land and creating ceremony that is, that emerges from this landscape. You know, and so it's it's interesting. So when I speak to you, I'm always kind of curious about that. How does that look and feel? How does that engage with the surrounding cultural community you know and so it's just kind of an open question to me but um i love what you say about your friend in sedona and how she connected as well through the plant medicine um but speaking to people waking up north and south um in this time you know in this time of of COVID and this time of the Great pause, or however you wanna see it, how, you know, what else, is there anything else you'd wanna say to people up north in terms of how they might, um, how they might connect to some of these earth-based, I think it's more rich, you know, when you talk about community I think that's something that actually we're remembering when you talk about that you know I'll say in the heartland here in the midwest people are we've always had you know despite what the news would tell you or despite any of the political divisions there have always been a lot of people close to the land and I grew up in communities like this where there are some strong connections you know so there are definitely I've always felt working with indigenous communities that if you come from a rural traditional community in the U.S. there's still going to be ways that it it feels familiar, it feels similar, there's a lot that's still there in terms of how we relate and take care of each other. I think Mm -hmm. that sacred dimension of um, ceremony is something that is often I've experienced as being somewhat lacking, you know, earth-based spirituality specifically, and, um, you know, so I'm just kind of circling around to this again, because when you speak to that practice, when you speak to the need to have, you know, like when you drink your cacao in the morning, you know, it's just, I think, I I like imagining that for my listeners too. And just, I guess, maybe just with you in this moment, just, just hoping for people listening that they have contact with, maybe it's a house plant, you know, maybe it's the sky outside their window, maybe it's something else. But, you know, to consider how is it that we can weave more of um, the sacred into our daily lives and have that be connected to the natural world i don't know if you have any thoughts about that or
1: Hmm. yeah thank you and many of the listeners maybe have heard of the eagle and the condor prophecy for those who have it basically this time when the you know the eagle of the north and the condor of the south fly together again And so the
2: eagle represents this intelligence, this really heightened capacity. Hi, hey. I lost you. <laughs> it's okay. It's a, it's a jungle connection. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, of course. It <laughs> it's
1: been pretty good. So you're talking yeah. about the eagle. Yeah, so so the eagle has this keen sight to be able to, you know, see from a very far distance and also represents this intelligence, this capacity of the mind. And then the condor of the south is this, you know, very large creature, but ha- it's a heart base. It's very more mm. about feeling, about um, being present in the moment. And so when you have the Igor and the Condor flying together, you have both the mind mm. and the heart and the body and the spirit. Um, and so when I go to South America, here Amazon, I feel in a sense because I have so many of these networks to the Western world. You know, I can help the indigenous people set up crafts and you know in a sense it's it's helping their mission but it comes from this this mind-based perspective mm. and then when I go back up north I totally feel like I'm the condor and I'm getting my friends you know to just be present and hey let's just yeah. listen we don't need to talk or think right. let's just sit still you know yeah. and it's so hard for them because we're so used to this yeah. need to, to to diagnose and understand and dissect yeah. Um, and so, what I love about going between the two worlds is finding this balance between the heart and the mm. mind, and that's what this time is about—the eagle mm. and the, you know, the eagle and the condor. And so, I would encourage those in North America um, who maybe have such a great desire to travel to the south but haven't been able to, that there are still ways to connect with a, with that heart-based you know, sensibility and maybe it's watching some documentaries about, you know, different elders in South America and just hearing and seeing and observing their way of, of being, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, if you're fortunate enough going to connect with local elders in your territory more often, you know, people that, you know, maybe you go and you bring them, you know, a basket of, of, of fruits and you haven't seen, you know, some grandmother for a few years and you just call her up and say, hey, I want to bring you this gift. And it's just that heart, that heart take, you know, action. And then, you know, ultimately what we all need is is community. Even here in the Amazon, I'm seeing more and more young people drifting towards a Western way of being, you know, through all of the media. And so they're gravitating towards this kind of ego mentality and i always encourage them hey let's get together and you know play music or we can you know drink cacao whatever it is um so i think at this time all of us are seeking community and and all of us know at least five people we can call up right now that are close to us that we can check up on and just Mm. see how they're doing you know just that that phone call, for me, makes you know a sense of community. Just connecting in, you know, this podcast is great. It's encouraging me. I think yeah. we love will leave encouraged in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the current situation, maybe we're not able to drive as much or go visit people, but we can definitely seek
2: mm-hmm.
1: and have this curiosity to be more heart based, mm-hmm. to be more in the present moment and not to rationalize or think how will this be what am i going to do but just greater appreciation and gratitude for what we all already have and i think there's so much that we can can be appreciative of in this moment so that's what i feel i feel it's you know this coming together of the mind and the heart and finding a good balance between between the two
0: yeah Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think that that's so, um, though, so helpful and so supportive and so simple. You know, simplicity to me, it feels like I'm such an eagle person, you know, like I definitely, I find that um, in times like this, I think I, I recognize the places where I literally dissociate. You know, I think that that's true for a lot of us the places where um, I go. And that's a little different than I think being like eagle, like if you're really activated and you're in your mind in a way that's also present, Mm. but maybe that's the shadow of eagle, you know, like there's shadow eagle that's more (laughs) um, not fully being in the body and not fully being in the heart and not fully being connected. And I actually think that it's, it's a fragmentation you know, and, and it's that fragmentation, I think that many of us are trying to learn how to um, bring into coherence, and mm. what you're speaking to and in your words and the simplicity of it really warms my heart because it it helps me I mean so much as, as frequency, right. Mm. And, and so I find even you using those words, you know, just very simply just to connect to the heart and just to connect to those elders in our own community. And of course they might be our own grandmothers or our own aunties or, you know, you're making me think about calling my aunt, you know, because I think that would be really good too. Hmm. Um, you know, we. so I like the simplicity of that uh, very much. And it feels so true to me that we have this moment if we take it, this great pause to drop here in the North more into our hearts. And, um, and yeah, I think that that's, that could make a, a big change, you know, energetically and otherwise for the rest of the globe. Cause as you say that, it's just like, wow, what would it look like and feel like, and how is it looking and feeling now? Because I do see this and hear this with many people, you know, in my circles and in my communities and with clients. And I do see and hear many people who are saying, this is good for me. You know, I like this stop, I like this pause. I, you know, I understand and I don't appreciate, and I, I'm sad about the fact that it's revealing so many broken systems in our in our country, in our nation, in our medical care system and what it's doing to people mm-hmm. who are already vulnerable. Um, and And at the same time, for many that I speak to, there's like, they've been rushing, they've been moving so fast, they've been going so hard. <laughs> And this time to slow down has been very nurturing and very healing. Um, so, yeah, I love that. So, what?
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and even the pace of the Yeah, real life. definitely.
2: I think. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the greatest things that I've heard. Time is the ability to slow down. You know, I love this saying. Nature never hurries, but she gets everything done on time. You know, so yeah. it's a good yeah. reminder that we, we don't need to hurry. Like when right. you see a, a small when you see a small seed growing, it it seems like it can take forever, but it always you know blooms in the perfect time. So yeah, beautiful. I yes, think, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. May we be that way. <laughs> May <laughs> we bloom in our own
0: perfect time. Mm. So. So, with that, just to speak into a little bit more about the Roots Awaken, you have that documentary, mm-hmm. and you have other. You have a um, blog, I think, or you have a, a a website where you've been sharing more recently of your writing. I've noticed, and that's yeah, kind of, yeah. You want to tell us more about what you're working on?
1: Yeah. So the Roots Awaken, you know, that started at this this international gathering of indigenous elders in 2014, has turned into a feature length film and it's going to be launched in 2020 this year so it's really exciting this time Mm -hmm. and i've been writing three articles a week now that are going to be posted on the blog also the website on all different topics from indigenous wisdom to plant medicine to you know environmentalism so you can go to www.therootsawaken.com you can sign up for the newsletter. You can you know see the blogs. There's going to be a lot of video updates and you know different material being being on the website in the next couple of months. And actually, this Friday on May 22nd is a new moon. I don't know what date mm-hmm. you're
2: listening yeah. to the podcast. Yeah, it yeah. could be you know right. past,
1: present, future is yeah. all. You're <laughs> making all you to poster
0: on Friday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're going to, so what are you doing this
1: Friday on the new moon? <laughs> what is it that you're so on doing the new this moon, Friday?
2: Yeah. So
1: on the new moon, I will be launching a brand new trailer for the film. It's going to have the entire vision of what this is all about. So please stay tuned and, and check it out. It's going to be on the website. It'll be on mm-hmm. social media on Facebook awesome. and it
2: really captures the essence own consciousness
1: to indigenous wisdom and to the interconnectedness of all life. So I look forward to sharing that, this new moon. Mm, Beautiful. That's so awesome
0: because you know, this new moon is as you most, as you probably know. So wait, you're at what,
1: what latitude are you at right now? Let's see. I'm in Nueva Loja, Ecuador, So that would be, let's see, latitude. Well, it's just on the middle of the world. Ecuador literally means center of the world. So it's amazing. Zero. That's
0: incredible. (laughs) I was like, let me Google that. No, we're on zero. Yeah. So, okay. Because so you would be very much, you know, from the 23 degree latitude to the 23 degree latitude, north and south. You've got Mm -hmm. the solar zenith, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where the sun's at the top of the sky. I believe mm-hmm. that would be true for you too, which will be this week. This will be like, well, I'm not sure when it is for you. What I um but but the solar zenith falls and, and the 19 degree latitude that has a lot of sacred sites. For example, Chichen Itza and Teotihuacan, that 19 degree and some of the pyramids, that is a degree mark that's kind of a it's a kind of a sacred um, activation point. And around May 19th and 20th is when solar zenith falls. Have you been able to hear this? Because I know you kind of checked
1: out. Yeah, I just heard Chichen Itza. I heard Chichen
0: Itza, the jungle.
1: Right? Okay, so in that latitude
0: right there, Chichen Itza, teotihuacan that's 19 degrees latitude right around there. And solar zenith, which is when the sun is at the top of the sky, that um, is around May 19th, May 20th. And at that time, what's really potent about that is that um, it's with, the sun is with the Pleiades, and, um, or the the Seven Sisters, or the rattlesnake, you know, to the Mayans. And so um, that's something that only will happen every 26,000 years. So that's another one of those points of prophecy where, um,
2: there you are. Are you there? Yeah, I, ca- I caught the the, the essence.
0: <laughs> You caught. I hear the what? it loud and clear. Oh, you can. That's so funny. Okay, so so this is a point that is um that's really potent and powerful, and that there's there's this um Pleiadian activation. And it lasts for about 72 years on either side. So we're in that window, you know, similar to the sun being a galactic center Mm -hmm. at the winter solstice. It's another one of those things. But so just to say that this new moon is really close to that point of solar zenith in that point, in that part of the world. And um, so it's, it's, and it's going to be the new moon is going to be with the Pleiades, which is a really significant star cluster across many indigenous groups, but you probably no i mean i'm curious have you heard many people in that part of the world talk about the pleiades is it important to them as well because it feels like here are up here in the north it is particularly
2: important yeah can you hear me yeah now i can okay
1: yeah you know pleiades very very interesting you're bringing that up um i've heard of it across cultures from north to south america in the north with the the zuni and the hopi Mm -hmm. you know the mayans in central america and then in brazil in the amazon there's actually a tribe that says that they come from pleiades and their name Mm -hmm. means people that come from pleiades (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's really interesting Mm -hmm. i'm still learning you know every day i'm 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 learning more and more, and I think it's really interesting to connect with the sky realm And this time. <clears throat> I've noticed, you know, particularly since this, this great pause, that there are, like, certain, when
2: I look up into the sky, there's, like, certain colors and light codes. And it's a new moon. It's a great time to...
1: To go out and see the stars yeah absolutely because absolutely. you know it the
2: light's so bright so i think it's this is a perfect time to oh you're cutting out again great time to go and look at the, the
0: stars yeah good absolutely and of course it's to know that you won't see the pleiades right now because the sun is exactly with them But that's what's powerful when you see um, a sun, when you see the the solar activation of a
2: star or of a planet. (laughs) I just turned off my video so I can
1: you get the clearer transmission from Amazon because
0: it's really yeah it's cutting out a lot. but, But you can get the activation of that star, or that planet when you if you do sun gazing or you connect with the sun you're basically also connecting with those stars. So right now at the new moon, of course, when you see the sun over the course of the day, you'll know that that sun is also transmitting from the Pleiades and also the mysteries of the moon. So they're all three together at the same time. And in fact, the sun is actually quite close Mm -hmm. to Venus and increasingly close to Venus as well. But it's fun to hear that when you say that there's a tribe in Brazil like that, because there are so many... So many nations who actually do say they come from the Pleiades. Some Mayans might say that as well. Um, so how powerful that you're initiating this at the new moon with the Pleiades, so close to solar zenith and some really significant points in the globe. Um, that's that's really exciting.
2: Are you there? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. I hear you loud and clear. Oh, good. You know, <laughs> yes. I, just, I just love that we can connect It's it's incredible. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. this is
1: a great time. Please check out the Roots Awaken. Mm-hmm. You know, on the website www.therootsawaken.com, and my prayer with a trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be two minutes, but that it penetrates the soul of those who see it mm-hmm. and encourages them to awaken at this current time and to take action in their own way mm-hmm. to protect the sanctity of life.
0: Awesome, beautiful. Thank you so much, Kumiko. I am just so um, so delighted and grateful to be connecting with you, and I can't wait to see that trailer. And um, I really do believe in that power of intention, and may it penetrate our hearts, and um, just really excited to see that. and the new moon. So yes, yeah, so let's let's know that we're seeing um, this beautiful, bright, dark sky together and the sun together all across the globe at this new moon and activating this um activating our hearts in this Mm. good way that you're talking about
2: great thank you uh, so much for
0: for this
1: conversation i'm so encouraged after speaking with you thank you
0: so
2: much absolutely me too thanks kumiko thank you